0: This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. So here we go. This morning, we're going to be looking at this, and, and it's a time to go home. A time to go home. And home is our eternal home, and Jesus is coming back. Now I want to take a little time here because this second service, it's full of a whole bunch of different backgrounds. This service is so much fun to me because, like this morning before it started, before this service started, I was in the hall and I was talking to a family and and we were we were just enjoying one another's company and they they're, they came to Calvary right from Catholic background and uh, I just love. Interacting with all these different faith backgrounds that are attracted to this service, some of you are are from a Baptist background. Some of you are from a like a Pentecostal background, and then there's Catholicism and Methodists and Lutherans and I'm telling you this second service is what wakes me up every day because it's the true representation of the melting pot of end time harvest. God is bringing in. So many different types of people that are hungry. They're, they're really wanting an experience with the Holy Spirit. And I just welcome all of you. And I want to kind of teach you for a moment today because I know I'm, I'm, I'm in a service full of all different backgrounds. I just want to teach you. We believe, along with majority of Christianity, we believe that Jesus Christ is coming back. We believe that he's going to come back now, there's a handful of you that kind of grew up the way I did. You grew up with the word rapture. That's not even a biblical word. It's not found in Scripture. I think more appropriate would be the snatching away, the catching away of the church. And I'm going to help you with scriptures. I don't want you to just take my word for it today. But Jesus is going to come back, and at that point, he's going to catch up. He's going to, we're going to be caught up to meet him in the air And it's going to be snatched away. Who is we? The church. Who is the church? Those that have given their life to Jesus Christ as Lord. Not those that just like the idea of coming to a church service. I wish everybody could go to heaven, but everybody can't. Everybody has the opportunity, but not everybody will take him up on the free offer of his salvation, which is given to us by grace, by the way. He gives us the life life preserver. He's throwing out grace. But not everybody, some people are just willing to swim on their own, and it's unfortunate. But my job is to keep throwing out that life preserver of God's grace, and I'm trusting that you will, by faith, receive the saving grace of Jesus. Because here's why. Because I want to go to heaven with you. And I, I, want, to, I want to not just do church with you. I want to do real church with you in heaven because Jesus is coming. Now, I know that I'm kind of climbing uphill A little bit because some of you think right now, well, my grandmother thought he was coming and he's not come. My great, 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 well, first of all, you don't even know who he was. But you think your great, 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 great granddaddy says he was coming and you think to yourself, well, he hasn't. I can tell you, nobody knows when he's coming, but we do know that he's coming. And here's why we know it. It's found in the scripture. I'm going to give you our theme verse, Ecclesiastes 3, is what we've been teaching from all month long. And I want to give it to you just one more time, and then I'm going to give you the scripture for today. Here's our theme passage, Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8, and then verse number 11. I'm only going to read verse 1 and 11 today, and I'll let you enjoy the remaining portion of scripture that's sandwiched in between. Verse 1, for everything there is a season, a time, for every activity under heaven. There's a season and a time for it all. Verse number 11 says, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Now, I need you to turn over to the New Testament book of Acts, to the book of Acts. So for all of you that have a real paperback Bible, flip to the right, go into your New Testament, go through the Gospels and find the book of Acts. For others of you, scroll up and find the book of Acts and let it populate. And then I want you to go to chapter number one, verse number nine. After this, after this, he said, now you need to know what this was. If, if he said this after something, what was the after? Well, the after is something called the Great Commission. I want everybody to say the Great Commission. You may not know this, but the Great Commission is what connects all Christianity together in its mission. We are co-missioned by God with this great missionary effort, and it's to go and reach and teach and baptize and make disciples of people, So Christian churches in the northeast, in the southwest, Christian churches in Europe, all Christians have been given this one to-do list. And that to-do list is to go reach people for the kingdom of God. So after he gave the great commission, he then said, Acts 1 verse 9, He was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back. Jesus will come back. And he's going to come back in the same way that you've seen him go into heaven. Here's what we know and here's what we don't know. He's coming back. We just don't know when. Now, I shared with you last Sunday that I think, I believe, that the next great big event on God's seasonal calendar is the return of Jesus Christ. We just don't know when. How do you know we don't know when? Well, the, the Bible says we don't because previous in Matthew 24, Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, it says now about that day, about the day that Jesus is coming back, about that day, no man knows the hour. He doesn't know when he's coming. Not even the angels know. Hey, get this, not even Jesus knows, only the Father. So we do know that Jesus is coming back. We just don't know when. And I just want to toss this out there for some of you that are really intrigued with this. You'll find yourself so so intrigued and so desperate to know that you might end up finding some some guy or, or some lady, some author or some teacher that that claims to know, I'm telling you, Never never stray from this, this word of God and don't pay $20 for a book that, that tells you when he's coming. You need to get your change back on that because no one knows when Jesus is coming. We only know that he is and because of that is what I'm about to preach about. Because we know he's coming home, that tells me that there will be a time that we're going home. Now, I want to do a little pastoring for a moment before I get into this sermon. When I look across this second service, which is typically a representation of our young parents, students, and, 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 and younger family units, when I think of you, I think that there's some of you that have had the unfortunate, painful experience of losing a mom, a dad, a grandparent. But I also know there's other other scenarios in this room that some of you have already lost children. Some of you have lost brothers and sisters. And you have walked the very painful experience of laying to rest a loved one. And I just want to bless you right now with this. One of the great rewards of going home of what we're preaching about is that you will be gathered back together with those that have gone before you. Heaven, it is home. It's kind of like a everybody going home experience. And if you have a loved one that had given themselves over to the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will enjoy being with them in heaven. Now, I'm, I always try to make my life as much of a as an illustration for you as I can because. Um, I, I just think that you need to know kind of the things I have to work through and the things that I've worked through already and still working in and through. I, I, I had the, the, the odd awkwardness of growing up kind of with the mindset that the coming of the Lord was something that was fearful I was always kind of afraid about the coming of the Lord. If you were here last Sunday, I kind of had a little fun with you telling some funny stories about, you know, you thought that everybody went to heaven but you. Only people that kind of grew up in church understands that humor. Well, even if you didn't grow up in church, when you start thinking about the end of the world and you start thinking about Jesus coming back and you start thinking that the Bible talks about the dead in Christ will rise and and all of us will meet him in the air. There's nothing logical that makes you think that that's going to be cool. Logic says, holy cow. That might be the strangest thing I've ever heard. So, I just want you to understand, I'm with you. I get it. It, it, It's it's an odd conversation we're having in this second service, but you cannot allow yourself to look through the, the lens of fear. You have to look at it through the lens of faith and hope. Here you go. I want you to love heaven more than you're scared of hell. Because You know, grandma, and I'm I'm being very cautious here and very respectful, but grandmother may have told you, you you don't want to go to hell. There's gnashing of teeth and and there's moaning. and Well, you're right. (laughs) I won't go to hell. And you start thinking hell and you start being scared of hell. I'm not here to sell you on the fact that you don't want to go to hell. It's a waste of my time and yours. I want you to understand what awaits you in heaven. And if you can get your eyes fixed on heaven, hell's never an option for you. If you could fall in love with Jesus to the point that you can't wait to meet him in the air, hell's not an option for you. In other words, I'm going to use better words than that. If you'll fall in love with Jesus, sin's not an option for you. If you'll get a hold of Jesus and fall in love with the Lord Jesus, immorality, promiscuity, bad choices, mistakes of the flesh, they won't be options for you. And and you won't have to go to bed worried. You'll go to bed in faith knowing that you are right with God and you can't wait to meet him in the air. So in other words, what time is it? There's coming a time to go home, everybody. A time to go home. Let me, let me give you some word to consider today. So, we know that he's coming. We just don't know when, but we have been given some signs. Luke chapter 21, verse 25, there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. Now, isn't, isn't that interesting? You and I, we're, we're the generation that we pay attention to this, especially on social media, I mean, the solar eclipse was a really cool experience, but a whole bunch of Christians took that solar eclipse and, I mean, they were teaching Bible studies about solar eclipses. And I get it. I'm not making fun of that. I get it because that's part of the signs, you know, astronomy, the part of the signs and and part of the signs will be in the sun, even like blood moons. I had people texting me, you know, a blood moons this week. I'm like, a, a what? And they said, a blood moon, Jesus is coming. I'm like, whoa, slow down, horsey. Here's the deal. I believe he's coming, but what are you talking about blood moon? And, and then sure enough, there's like legitimate studies of, of theologians, et cetera, that are much smarter than myself that study this kind of stuff. And so you got solar eclipses going on. you got blood moons going on. you got all this stuff. But then I may not keep up with you on blood moon talk, but I can read the Bible and it says this. That on the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. I do know that there were four hurricanes going on all at once. I can't spell blood moon, but I know who Harvey is. I may not keep up with you talking about solar eclipses, but I know what Irma did and Maria, Julio and Paco and every other thing that came through. I do know about some hurricanes and then if that doesn't wake you up to the fact that Jesus is coming soon it says that people will faint from terror apprehensive of what is coming on the world everybody in this room has had a cousin that's texted you this year what is going on in the world Everybody's gotten that phone call or email from someone. Isn't this crazy? All these hurricanes, these earthquakes in Mexico, and the terror in North Korea. And everybody's on edge. I even bring it home with me. I'm at home and I mean I've asked Denora straight up. I'm like, man, don't you don't you think he's coming soon, baby? I mean, She's in there cooking dinner and I'm sitting there thinking, I think we just need to pray, babe, because the Lord's coming. What do you mean? I think I just felt an earthquake and Harvey and somebody texted me about a blood moon and that little dude in North Korea is about to blow people. I'm telling you, he's coming, Donora. People in anguish, perplexity of what's coming on the world. Heavenly bodies will be shaken. And the Bible goes on and says, and at that time, at what time? That all of this is happening. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Hey, everybody, this isn't what grandmother said. This is the Word of God. When these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads, Because, somebody help me, your redemption draweth nigh. Everybody say it out loud. Jesus is coming. It's an uphill battle, this message, because some of you are still thinking, well, I don't know about that. He's coming. I'm not telling you when because I don't know, but I do know he's coming. the Bible says when all these things start happening, just know, just know. He's coming. It's not time to run and hide. It's time to lift up your heads. Your redemption draweth nigh. Now, every generation before us had signs. They had their own kind of prophetic signs that they would check off. Our generation, I need everybody in the room to check this out. Our generation are experiencing some things that previous generations didn't. One of which is worldwide. Satellite technology. Now you might ask, what's that got to do with the end times? How does that line up with the coming of the Lord? Revelation chapter 11 says that there's going to be two men. Two men that's going to be preaching in the streets. Some people believe it's Elijah and Moses. Two men preaching in the streets that will be murdered by the Antichrist. Antichrist will take their life and they will be dead in the streets for three and a half days. But this is what it says. Everybody will see it at the same time. I went FaceTime for several minutes over breakfast the other day with my friend Ken Bradley eating dinner in London. Only because of satellite technology can I sit there and have a conversation with a man in London, those many hours apart, those many miles apart, Satellite technology. The only way Revelation 11 will be completed and fulfilled is by worldwide satellite technology. That wasn't going to happen in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s, but let me tell you something. It's happening now. Another one is worldwide financial technology. This is tied to Revelation 13, that during the tribulation... During the tribulation, the Antichrist will have every single one of us on one world financial transaction ability or currency. Now, before you think this is some crazy 93-year-old preacher that's out of touch, this was just released in July in the New York Times. You feel free to read it for yourself. This isn't some underground Internet site on the dark web that I just pulled this out of. This is the New York Times in july show this real quick where people can write it down if they choose to read on it there's a business in wisconsin again this is not turkey this is wisconsin the badger state this company accepted because it's such a large company it's got a cafeteria it's got a coffee bar in it it's got all kind of all kind of uh, employee gear so if you wanted to buy like your company's hoodie or its hat What they've done is they made it an option. It's just an option. They didn't force it, but 80-something percent of their employees accepted it. You probably remember as a kid, your grandma scaring the daylights out of you talking about the mark of the beast. Man, I was so messed up as a kid with that. If I saw anything that had the number six, six, six in it, man, I'd start panicking. And I'd be like, I'd try to make everything spiritual. I'd be like, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. That street had a six in it, and that car had a six on the license plate, and it's 6 o'clock in the evening, he's coming. (laughs) But before we laugh it off too much, and before we pick at it too much, before we kind of get a little tickled and giggled over it too much, the Bible says that the Antichrist is going to have the entire world operating in this way, and this little chip... That this company just right here in Wisconsin, again, I don't know when Jesus is coming, but I can tell you right now, the checklist is getting fuller and fuller every day. In this company now, when they walk in their business, they clock in by swiping that little chip. At lunch, if they want to get a little salad and a cup of coffee, they swipe the little chip. It all comes off their paycheck. If they want to buy a hat, you know, and maybe the company's got a new hat, they can buy it with a little chip. of them said yes to it. And in the article, you'll see that employees being interviewed open up and say, man, I was a little worried about it because, you know, because I kind of thought maybe this was sign of the end time stuff, but I went ahead and got it because of the convenience of it. And before a lot of you, I I know, I can see y'all. Y'all think these bright lights are blinding me. I can see you. And a lot of you are like, I never do that. Yeah, but your little dog's got one. Now it got real. Now some of you are telling your spouse, "I told you we shouldn't get that little puppy, that little chip." Now, now we are part of the end times. Jesus is coming. Y'all going? He's staying. Ooh, I just split the church right down the middle. Don't y'all know all dogs go to heaven, chip or not? Check this out. Our generation has experienced something. I cannot preach this with enough passion worldwide evangelism. Worldwide evangelism. In 1970, there were 1.2 billion, billion Christians. Just 47 years later, 2017, there's an accounted for 2.6 billion Christians. Now, I know what you're thinking, though, because you watch the news, you read the paper, and everything's down, everything's suppressed, everything's dark and gloomy. Here's why you're feeling that. Out of the 193 nations around the world, Christianity is booming, it's growing, it's it's increasing, it's advancing in all nations except 20. And here's the scary part, America's on the list of the 20. So, why do we feel and sense that Christianity's taking a step back? Because you're stuck on your American news, but you don't know what's going on worldwide evangelism. We've gotten so fixated on the dollar in America. We've gotten so pardon the pun, but so fat and happy and lazy in America. We're so blessed in America, but yet we're so divided in America. Yet we're so troubled in America. Suicide rates un, it's just off the charts. Divorces off the charts. Racism's off the charts. Political upheaval's off the charts. And everybody's so desperate in America, they're just reaching to anything and everything. But meanwhile, around the world, out of the 193 nations of the world, all but 20 nations are having end-time revival. Why do you bring that up? Because you need a wake-up call, America, Calvary Church of Fort Worth. We need to wake up to realize Jesus is not just coming back for us. He's coming back for a bride. A church, the church of the living God. It might be the church in China, the church in Argentina, the church in Lithuania, the church, the worldwide church that's pure, clean, spotless, without wrinkle. And you and I, we get messed up when we think, oh, he's only coming back with people that look like me, talk like me, walk like me, think like me. My cute little Christianese club that talks in King James language. I got news for you. He's coming back for a global, worldwide bride that has called on his name and has given themselves over to his salvation, the grace of Jesus Christ. He's coming back. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord this morning. So what should this do for me? What, what does this understanding of his return do for me? Pastor Tommy, if it's not meant to scare me, if it's, not to, if it's not meant to intimidate me, then what is it supposed to do for me? I can tell you. Let me give them to you quickly this morning. Jesus' return comforts us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, according verse 15, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we, We who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up, That's that's that rapture or snatching away. We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And we'll be with the Lord forever. But check it out, everybody. Therefore, encourage, comfort one another with these words. It's comforting because in heaven, if you'll read the book of Revelation chapter 21, in heaven... You're going to have a whole new body. You're going to have a whole new mind. You're not going to have marriage problems. Can I preach? You're not going to have parenting issues. (laughs) I was expecting some Holy Ghost revival on that right there. No more drug problems. No more drinking issues. No more addictions. No more adultery. No more promiscuity, no more lying, no more cheating. Are y'all ready for this? No more pain, no more tears, no more passing away, no more saying goodbyes. Because when we get to heaven, when it's time to go home, everything changes and everything's at peace. A lion and a lamb will lay down with one another. There will be no more time of war, earthquakes and rumors of war, for there will be peace Peace in the valley for me. I will lie there worshiping Jesus for how long, Pastor? For eternity. Some of you just got to get a whole new dose of faith believing that this world's not your home. You're just passing through this world. There's a better place. So be comforted today with the fact that heaven is better than your best day here on earth. Somebody say amen. Jesus' return prepares us. What do you mean by that? Do you know how much God loves you? He loves you so much that he sent the ultimate gift from heaven, his only begotten son. But he also loves you so much that he's willing that no one would perish. It's almost like He's holding back his return because he wants you saved. It's It's almost this way. Jesus is ready. And the father's like, you need to hold up because they're not. But I'm ready, but they're not. We've got to get the gospel to the whole world. And when the whole world hears the gospel, the gates of heaven are swung open wide and Jesus is coming on that great white horse, and he's coming to take us all back with him. He loves you so much that he wants you prepared. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible tells us that 1 Thessalonians 5, that there's going to be some people that are caught off guard. But that is not the will of God for all. God's will is for those that have heard the gospel to give in to the gospel to be saved. Now, brothers and sisters, about the time and dates, we do not need to write you because we don't know the time and date. For you know very well that day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night while people are saying peace and safety. That's when destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains of a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you, you that have heard that Jesus is coming, you You, my brothers and sisters, you're no longer in darkness. It's not going to catch you by surprise. So that this day should surprise you like a thief. In other words, get this. I said this in the first service. It just came out of my mouth. I feel by the Holy Spirit. And I haven't stopped thinking about it since. Because you're in this service hearing this sermon, you will not be caught by surprise of the coming of the Lord. Because you've come under the hearing of the word of God. You will not be caught by surprise. You're no longer in darkness. You're no longer longer in darkness of what's going to happen in the end. I'm telling you what's going to happen in the end. When the end is near, get ready, lift up your head and look to heaven because Jesus is coming. Over 300 references in the New Testament is concerning the return of the Lord. There's 260 chapters in the New Testament and 216 of them talk about the coming of the Lord. 23 of the 27 New Testament books talk about the coming of the Lord. God wants you prepared because he loves you. Lastly, I'll say this, if Jeff can come help me close the service. Lastly, Jesus' return, it focuses us 1 Thessalonians, sticking right there with 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. You are all children of the light and children of the day. You don't belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others. Hey, when you come to Jesus, you're called to a higher way of living. God calls you to a higher standard of lifestyle. Holiness. Godliness, not worldliness. God ta- has taken you out of worldliness to place you into a lifestyle of holiness. If you're living in darkness, that's the only way you know how to live. But because of Jesus, has brought you into the light, the light of truth. You no longer have to live in darkness and sin in the ways of the world. God reveals to you a better way. I'll call it this way. Everybody say this out loud. Say, get ready and stay ready. How do you get ready? You need to give your life to Jesus. How do you stay ready? Stay in the Word of God and keep at arm's length the lifestyle that you were in before you came to Jesus. It's amazing to me how many families that have a heart for God but they have a heart for the world and then they wonder why devastation comes to their home (sighs) you don't have to divorce doesn't have to find your house addiction does not have to find your house Abuse doesn't have to be in your home. Jesus has paid a price for it. Listen to me. It's not time to clap. Before you're offended by that, you should have been in church a couple weeks ago. There's times to clap and there's not times to clap. This is not a clapping time. So all of my little Lutheran friends, just hold your horses. Let the Pentecostal preacher tell you when it's time to clap. Clap. Jesus has paid the price. You don't have to be a statistic. You don't have to drink yourself silly. You don't have to shoot up again. Your kids don't have to go through that. This is what 1 Thessalonians 5 says. You are all children of the light. You're children of the day. You don't belong to the night or the darkness. So then... You don't belong to it, so then let us not be like others who are asleep. This is what the Bible says, y'all. It's not me. The Bible says, but let us be awake. Everybody just say it loud. Say, wake up. And the Bible says, be sober. Everybody say, be sober. It was like God knew in his word that he had two problems on his hands, a bunch of lazy, sleepy Christians and a whole, people, a whole bunch of people getting drunk like the world. So where do you fit? Are you one of those self-righteous ones that are falling asleep in your Christian religion? Or are you one of those worldly ones that are getting drunk on the things of life? Money's got a hold of you. Sin's got a hold of you. Doubt and fear and anxiety's got a hold of you. I'm so stinking tired of text messages and phone calls about divorce and problems and drinking and partying and drugs and adultery and so tired of it, man. Jesus pulled you out of that mess. Now live like you're out of that mess. How do I do that? By grace. You don't do it by performance. That's called legalism in the law and that'll get you right back in trouble. You do it by grace. Grace has set you free. You don't have a master. You don't have a master cracking your whip telling you you have to live crazy and worldly and sinful. Grace says you're free. Now live free. Get a hold of yourself. There's some husbands in this room right now. This is the day you need to get a hold of yourself. You need to repent to God. You need to repent to family. You need to get a hold of things and straighten it out. You don't need another sermon. You need to make some decisions to get ready to go home. What time is it? There's going to be a time to go home. And you, may, you this world wants you to think it's never going to happen because it never happened for your parents. It never happened with your grandparents. I got news for you. I don't know if it's going to happen in your time. But I can tell you this much is going to happen. And the Bible says it's going to be like a thief in the night. And people that are living in darkness are going to be caught by surprise. But because of the people of the light, you will not be caught by surprise. Come on, man! God's calling you to holiness. God's calling you to step out of the things of the world. Live clean and pure. Have some ethics about you. Have some morality about you. Somebody just the other day, I just got all over me when they said, "You know, man." Somebody was telling me at your church, y'all, you, your church, y'all just don't believe in anything. I got news for you. We believe in more than just anything. We believe that the grace of God calls us to a higher place of living. I don't have to have I don't have to have rules and regulations. I've got grace. Some of you don't mistake God's grace as permission for sin. You get a hold of yourself. Repent. Call on the name of the Lord. Let the spirit of God be your guide. Start making some good, healthy decisions for your family. Get on the right track. Man, Pastor Tommy, you just like blasting us. No, I'm trying to go to heaven with you. Because when I look you in the eye, I I, I, I don't want to do heaven without you, man. I love doing church with you, but I want to do heaven with you. So get ready. Stay ready. Let's meet him in the air together. Let me give you one last thing. Poor Jeff's been up here an hour and a half already playing his keyboard. He's played every chord he knows and some he don't know. He's just just, bless his heart. What should I do? You need to think clearly. 1 Peter 4 and 7. I'm gonna rush through these notes. I think I've I think I've shared my heart with you today. 1 Peter 4 and 7. This is what the Bible says the end of all things is near. He's coming, therefore you need to be clear-minded, self-controlled, and pray. If there's anybody that wants to write things down, if you just want three things to go home and do, be clear-minded. Have self-control. Pray. Clear-minded. So before you make that dumb choice, think about it. Have self-control. You don't have to say yes to everything your flesh says it wants to do. Have self-control and pray. Clear-minded, self-control, pray. Secondly, you need to start focusing more on relationships than anything else. Why? Because First Peter 4 and 8, above all, it's pretty strong. Above all, above all, I need you to do this and this and this, but above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Does anybody in this room know what's going to be in heaven? People. There's only one thing going to heaven. People. Cars aren't going to heaven. Boats aren't going to heaven. Houses aren't going to heaven. Vacations aren't going to heaven. Sports are not going to heaven education's not going to heaven all of those things are awesome enjoyments of this world but what's going to go to heaven people start loving people think clearly have self control pray love people and lastly before i pray over you make a difference make a difference one more time first peter chapter 4 verse 10 now Each one should use whatever gift he has received, gift from God. The gift you have is for one thing, to serve others. God's gifted you to serve others. To serve others. I want you to stand. For those that are taking notes when you stand, stand with your notepad and your pencil. (laughs) Pencil, that sounded like Louisiana, didn't it? Pencil, Lord. Somebody the other day said, hey, man, do you know how to speak Spanish? I said, nope, nor English. <laughs> Who says pencil? <laughs> it's was just terrible. Lord. Stand with your notepad and your pencil. Here's something to write down. Live for heaven. Everybody say, live for heaven. Stand for truth. Everybody say, stand for truth. Preach the gospel. Everybody say, preach the gospel. And last but not least, prepare to meet Jesus. <sighs> Madison, you got to promise me you'll forgive me for embarrassing you, but I love you. You're my little buddy. My buddy Madison's preparing to be baptized in the next few weeks, and I celebrate that. My little friends that I was talking about, coming straight out of the Catholic Church, they wanted to know about baptism. I celebrate that. Those of you that are asking and inquiring about small groups, I celebrate that. Those that are wanting to get married, you're just starting to feel like you know what we've been together so long, we've been we've been we've been living together, and we we just want to do things right in the sight of God. We want to get married. I celebrate that. There's so many things happening right now that I'm telling you I am just so happy about. And then there's others of you, I'm reaching for you. I'm reaching for you. Because we're living in some weird days. I don't know how else to do it. But In love, I'm just asking you, give your heart to Jesus not asking you to be perfect there's no such thing but we don't know how much time is left I want to go to heaven with you I want to go to heaven with you bow your heads please if you're here today and you need to make a fresh commitment to Jesus not to a church, not to religion, not to a preacher. But you know that you know that you just you just need to have Jesus in your heart. Would you lift your hand? I just want to pray over you, pray with you. Lift your hand, come on now. I see you right back there. Wow, I see you back there. That's awesome. Lift up your hand right now. If you just need Jesus in your heart more than ever before, I see you, buddy. I see you right there. If you have your hand lifted up, it up high. I want, I'm going to pray over you right now in dismissal. I see you. That's awesome. I'm proud of you. If you have your hand lifted up. These are my words, okay? These are my words. So you're going to have to kind of take these words and make them your own. It's got to come from your heart. You can't just repeat a preacher. You're going to have to come up in your own heart. You're going to have to say this from your heart to God. All I am right now is kind of like a teacher. I'm just teaching you. I'm getting you focused right now all over the room. For those that had your hand up, this prayer is for you. Dear Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Jesus I believe you. And this preacher said something today that's got my heart stirred up. And I want you to save me. Lord, I don't understand everything about the Bible. I don't understand everything about Christianity, but I do believe right now, I believe it with all my heart that you are the only way to salvation. You're the only thing that can save me. And I'm asking you to save me. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. I'm asking you to save me. Thank you for forgiving me and saving me. And Jesus, I make you this promise. If you'll show me, if you'll lead me, if you'll help me, I make you this promise, God, that I'll follow you. I'll follow you. And I won't go back to where you're finding me right now. I'm going to be different. And I'm going to let you help me. I give you my heart. I give you my future. I want to be safe in your hands for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's clap our hands this morning. Now, I'm going to dismiss you, and I'm just going to go find somewhere and cry. I don't know why I'm so emotional today. I don't cry a lot. I don't like crying. I hate it. But I just feel like crying right now. I just think we're out of time, y'all. I just think we're out of time. I want you to go to heaven. Guys, we're going to have an awesome November for all of those that have children that want to be dedicated. By the way, real quick before I dismiss you. Uh, I was asked earlier today, hey, child dedication, is that just for like new born little babies? I want to be real clear. We don't view baby dedication as salvation, number one. It's just simply, Lord, thank you for giving me this child, whether it's a baby or whether it's a 13-year-old. If you've never done it, Lord, you've given me a child and I want to be the best dad I can be, the best mom I can be. And I understand that they belong to you more than they belong to me. And I just dedicate them to you and your service you want to be a part of that, it's next Sunday, but you got to be registered just because we want to make sure how we handle our end of the logistics side. So go online, Calvary FTW, follow registration, register, we'll contact you. We're going to have a incredible